Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. Zephaniah, only three chapters. On Sunday, I'm going to be going through Malachi. Both of them Old Testament, both of them minor prophets. Uh, the major prophets are, are, are there's a much longer, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel are considered more of the major prophets. And uh, then you have the minor prophets, which are much shorter in length. And so we're going to be touching in uh, as we start a new year. For those that missed Sunday morning, if you missed Sunday morning, uh, I really encourage you to check out the message uh, either on the website or also on uh, YouTube. And uh, check out the, the service that we had on Sunday because uh, it's what the Lord, uh, in much prayer over the course of from September right, right to the end of the year and even into this new year, the Lord was still speaking uh, direction for this year. And it's a good word. It's a good direction. And, and, and uh, so... Uh, just quickly, that we would be refined, purified, and holy, a glorious church, declaring Jesus, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. His joy is strength for us. When he rejoices, it's strength for us. And uh, so I look forward uh, I. I expanded on that, um, shared a little bit with how uh, the Lord gave some of that uh, or, or this direction. Uh, so if you missed it, check it out. Uh, it's, a, it's a prophetic word for 2024. One of the things that, uh, that, was, that really uh, spoke to me, and this was on January 1st, and I mentioned it on Sunday, I'll mention it again. Uh, when I had mentioned what the Lord had put on my heart as a, as a pastor and overseer of a flock for this year. So this is for me as a pastor. It gives me direction. But as I shared it with uh, Julie, uh, she says, you know what? This thing of, of the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. And, the, and one of the first things that came to her mind was, she said, check out Zephaniah 3.17. And uh, this passage says, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I, I pray, Lord, let that be that the Lord, he is God. Lord, be God in my life. You are mighty. You are the mighty one. You will save that you would rejoice over me with gladness, that you would quiet me with your love, and that you would rejoice over me with singing. I add something else. If somebody's writing a song and singing it over you, and it, this is what God is saying, hey, I want to sing over your life. And today, as we get into this, this uh, very short uh, book, now I want you to listen whether you're young or old, whatever age, I want you to listen because 
there is a very strong word that is given. And it's given for a reason. And I truly believe that it is for now as well. May I say this? This word is for today. This was Zephaniah lived around 630 B.C. when he, this word was given to him. So he would have been, who knows how old he would have been. We don't know his age. But this word was a word of coming judgment. And so you might say, oh, man, I don't want to hear about judgment. I don't want to hear about this. But the thing that, that got me about this short book of three chapters, and I, I want to emphasize the tremendous love of God even in judgment. And I'll explain that in a little bit. A little bit. Um, and so today, I, I, want, I just want to uh, give a title to this. And, and Zephaniah is talking about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. And will that day be a day of judgment? Or will it be a day of salvation? And it is up to us. The day of the Lord will either be a day of judgment. Or it will be a day of salvation for us. When we, uh, uh, this, well, this word here, and, and Zephaniah not only speaks to his time and his generation and the next generation that would come, but he's also speaking to the generation now and what is to come in the day of the Lord. You say, well, what is the day of the Lord for us at this time? I don't know about you, but how many of you would say, I believe that we're living in the last days? How many of you would say, we're living in the last days? So most of you are saying, we're living in the last days. Which means that the day of the Lord is getting closer and closer and closer. The day of the Lord is, there's a, there's a few breaks in it. And it's not, it's not a 24-hour period, necessarily, but will span uh, more than uh, a 1,000 years. The day of the Lord. And there is a definite beginning of the day of the Lord, which will be a day of salvation, or it will be a day of judgment, depending on who we are before the Lord. And so... That first part talks about a catching up when it comes to the salvation on that day of the Lord. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, and there's a number of passages that, that are around this, this resurrection or this catching up of the saints. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, whether we've passed away or died, and we are with the Lord, our spirit and soul is with the Lord, our body, the body. In fact, there was a celebration of life today, and uh, um, Michael uh, Bailey's grandfather passed away just recently. He's with the Lord. His spirit and soul is with the Lord. The body has been buried. The body is buried. 
but his spirit and soul is with the Lord. And it says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. In First Thessalonians 4, uh, 4, it talks about the, the dead in Christ rising first, and then we who are still alive will be caught up right after them, right behind them. And so there is a joining. I, I always, as a, a kid, always wondered, like, okay, how, how does that happen? Like, what's happening here? Why, why, like, where is, where are those that have loved the Lord? Where are they when they die? And again, their spirit and soul, the moment a person dies, their spirit and soul goes to be with the Lord. Their body is, is left here. But there's a day coming where that body, and even as it has, whatever may have happened to that body, it says that there is going to be a raising up of a body, and First uh, Corinthians 15 talks about an incorruptible body that will never decay, will never grow old, and an Im immortal body that will last forever. And so this is, is the, the beginning of the day of the Lord. So for the believer is a beautiful thing. It says that part of the day of the Lord will also include the return of Jesus Christ to reign here on earth literally and physically for a thousand years. And we will come with them. Does anybody know what will be the major event that will be one of the first things as we're even coming with him uh, as he's riding on that white stallion and we are following him with white horses dressed in white what is the first thing that's going to be happening as we come from heaven to earth supernaturally and powerfully? What is the first event that's happening as, as we come to the earth? Anybody? The battle of Armageddon. So on this earth, and this is where judgment is, has already taken place, the moment that there is a catching up of the saints, that span of time for seven years, there is the, the, the wrath of God being poured out on this planet. The judgment of God upon this earth and the inhabitants of this earth because they have rejected Jesus Christ. And there's, I cannot begin to imagine how, how wicked this world will become when all the believers are gone. One of the things that we do, in fact, I saw it on, on YouTube today um, that um, I, the individual was catching up on a, an interview, uh, I think it was with Elon Musk, and, and there was another individual that was saying, uh, and these aren't believers, saying there is something about uh, Christians and Christianity that holds things in check on this planet. The things that are of, of righteousness and of goodness uh, that, are, that we embrace holds back 
wickedness. In fact, there's a, a holding back of the mystery of lawlessness, a restraining of the mystery of lawlessness. And, and this, this underlying, we, we, don't, we know that the enemy is behind it all. But the lawlessness that we see now and the things that we see now, the things that are holding it back is the church, the body of Christ, the believer. And so uh, when we are caught up, the, the wickedness and the evil that are here on this planet will be uh, a terrible thing. If it's bad now, and it is dark in many places, uh, it's going to be so much worse once the church is caught up, the body of Christ is caught up. So the question is, is the day of the Lord going to be a day of judgment for you? Or is it going to be a day of salvation where you're caught up? I'm being removed from this planet. My prayer, of course, is that we will all be ready for the return of the Lord. So uh, for those that uh, this brother that passed away, uh, just in the, the last week or so, you might say, well, has judgment taken place for this person and the people that have already passed away? Yes. It says in uh, Hebrews 9, verse 27, it says, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin, for salvation. And so, uh, for the believer, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear uh, the judgment of God. There is salvation for us. And so, we eagerly wait for Him. And so, we will, He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. And I thank God for that. Praise God. From the Old Testament and Zephaniah's time, which was 650 B.C. Uh, to this around 600 or, or more B.C., um, has God changed in who he is? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. You can't change perfection he is perfect in all his ways. And God does not change. The God that we serve is a holy God. A lot of times we, we want to focus in on the grace part. but And it, God is a, a God of grace and mercy. And we'll see that today. But he is, he is a holy and just God. And so there is not a blind eye necessarily to the things of sin and and. Uh, transgression and iniquity within his children. So he sees these things. They're detrimental to us. God is a holy God. In Revelations 4, 8, it says the four living creatures, and this is the scene in heaven, each having six wings. I look forward to seeing those creatures. Living, four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In the past, the 
the present and the future. He is holy. God is holy. Peter writes, he says, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And this is Peter. He is taken from the Old Testament. God has not changed. He is still a holy God. Revelation 4, 9, the next verse, it says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, which are around the throne, they're around the throne, there's 24 elders, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast down their crowns. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you, for you created all things, including us. And by your will, they exist and were created. A holy God and we were created for his pleasure, for him, that there would be a glorifying of him. In the Psalms, and, and, and uh, it talks about worshiping God in the beauty of holiness. Lord, let there be nothing in us that would taint our worship to the Lord, our glorifying of Him. Uh, Zephaniah was written sometime, like I said, uh, or this book was, was written as the Holy Spirit inspired Zephaniah to speak. And he's not just writing. He is going to the king. And we'll see how the connection would be. Of all the prophets, he's very unique in one regard. We'll talk about that. But um, his pro uh, prophecy, his word, is a forceful word, and it may have been a major factor in the king at that time, King Josiah, having a reform, a revival within the nation. How many of you want revival? We, we all want revival. It's like... Uh, this morning I was uh, talking to our administrative bishop or the one that wa watches or he's in looking and overseeing all the churches here in Ontario. And, and so he was talking about uh, his heart, what's on his heart, and he was saying, he was talking about this, this thing of revival. We need revival. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need to have a move of God. And we, not just that we're going through the motions, but that there would be an actual change of coming to life. And I truly believe that has already begun here, even in our church and in our area, that there is a reviving that is taking place already. And um, this is what happened 2,600 years ago with this king, King Josiah. And the, uh, his name, Zephaniah, means Yahweh hides or Yahweh has hidden. 
You say, well, that's a strange name. And probably what it is, is that Zephaniah would have lived during the time of the worst king that was in, was in Israel, whether it was the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom, and in this case was the southern kingdom, was the worst wicked and evil king that, that lived. Does anybody know what his name is? And he was a son of Hezekiah, who was one of the best kings. And his own son went the ex exact opposite. His name was Manasseh. And, so, and, he, and he ruled for over 50 years. And the things that came in to place were, were the serving of other gods. And we're talking the wickedness. One of the things would have been, uh, was not just, uh, there was like temp temple prostitution that was going on. A defiling of any kind of worship. It wasn't a worship to, to, to God, but it was a worship to um, other gods, to Baal, Baal. And so... We're talking, there, was also, there were other gods. There was Moloch. And with that one, we're talking child sacrifice. So here, the children of God are serving other gods. And there is this, uh, this wickedness that's happening with Manasseh. And, and Zephaniah would have been born during Manasseh's time. And also, he would have uh, then, uh, Manasseh, the next king after him only was for maybe two years. And so there was a total of around 55 years where there was wickedness that was being done by the children of God, by the king, and by uh, the priests. And we'll see what some of these things were in a moment. So um, the interesting thing about Zephaniah uh, and we read of this in the very first verse of the first chapter, is that his great-great-grandfather was Hezekiah. So he was, his great-great-grandfather was King Hezekiah, a good king. And so it makes sense that he would have had access to, to the king because he was of royalty as well. And of all the prophets, he was the only one that was of royalty. And so he had most likely would have had the ear of Josiah. And who knows, maybe, maybe Zephaniah was alive during Hezekiah's time. We don't know. We don't know. But it says that he was the, the, the great, great grandson of Hezekiah. When I, we get into this uh, first chapter, we're going to get into this first chapter and uh, just a start of the second chapter of the, the three. This is what stands out to me. And even in this first chapter, it is pretty intense. It's pretty intense. And it's be like, okay, like we're talking judgment. We are talking judgment. 
And yet in this, I see the mercy and the grace of God to his children, even his wayward children. There's a grace and mercy even in the coming judgment. There's grace and mercy. See, God is speaking of the, the judgment to come. It hasn't happened yet. And so there's a warning of the judgment to come, which means that there is opportunity to change. In fact, Josiah heeds the, the warning of the judgment. And because of jo Josiah's positive response to the coming judgment and to the things that were wrong, and we'll, we'll, we'll see some of the things that he did, the judgment of God was stayed and it did not happen during his life, lifetime. Josiah uh, reigned for 31 years. He died young, was in battle, and, uh, and he died young. He probably would have been uh, like less than 40 years of age. I think he was 38 or 39 years of age when he passed in battle. But I see the warning, the warning in the warning the graciousness and mercy of God. May I say this? The same thing is for us. Really, when you think about it, it says the wages of sin is death. Can you imagine if God says, you know what? I'm sorry. The first time or the second time or third time, I'll give you a break. But by the tenth time, that's it, you're dead. The Lord regarding the, the northern kingdom, had 19 kings in a row that were wicked. Not one single king when that, the, the, the kingdom split into two. After Solomon, it split into two kingdoms. So you had the northern kingdom, which had 10 tribes. You had the southern kingdom, which had two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And the northern kingdom... So there was two kings. That's why when you read through the Old Testament it's, and you read of First and Second Kings and or First and Second and, uh, Samuel and and First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you're wondering like, okay, I, I don't get this. What's what's going on? How come there's so much mention of kings? The reason there's so much mention of kings is because you're talking about two kingdoms, the northern and the southern, and so there's oftentimes the king from the north and the south are at times at odds with the other each other. At times they're they're maybe working together, but the northern kingdoms, or the northern kingdom had 19 kings in a row before, and they had warning after warning after warning after warning for over almost 200 years before there was judgment that came. So, the northern kingdom during time of Zephaniah is already, has been taken out. Some of the, the, the uh, the people from the northern kingdom, when Assyria came, was the superpower of the day before Babylon. When Assyria came, they were just going through and they were such a powerhouse, nobody could stand up to them. Like, we're not just talking a few thousand men. We're talking hundreds of thousands, probably a million plus men. And they're, they're, they're warriors and they're just taking uh, peoples and lands and... Uh, they're dis, dispos, uh, positioning them in, in 
they didn't leave them in their land. They were taken away and they were spread. So that was the, what they did. The Babylonians allowed for people to stay in their own land and they would be controlled. Uh, or, well, sorry, the Romans. The Romans would, did things a little bit differently. But the Assyrians, the Babylonians, they took them away out of their land. And so at the time of Zephaniah, the, the northern kingdom was already gone which would have happened in the 720s BC. So this is like 70, 80, 90 years after. The grace and mercy of God, the point I want to make is the grace and mercy of God before judgment comes. And it's the same thing for us. Can somebody tell me how, how does God maybe speak to us or indicate to us that, that there's something maybe wrong in our life. Our, our conscience? Sorry? Okay, in dreams perhaps? By His Holy Spirit? There's a conviction? How else? His Word? Through other people? Sorry? external judgments or things happening perhaps around you you recognize okay this is this is warning for me so even as a pastor um if i if i want to tickle your ears i wouldn't talk about sin i wouldn't talk about anything wrong in your life because who wants to be told there's something wrong in their life nobody wants to be told that but i'll tell you right now if you were going over a cliff, wouldn't you want somebody to warn you that you're heading over a cliff? Or if something was, it was dangerous and you didn't know about it, wouldn't you want somebody to warn you? What we're talking about here is eternity with God or apart from Him. And so here there is, there is warning. God is warning and He warns in different ways. So... I just want to quickly go through chapter 1. I'm going to just mark off. And I want you to see what God was upset with and the fact that he's warning them in advance. Judgment is coming, but these are the problems or the issues. Are you going to change or not? Because judgment is coming. And he's saying the same thing to us. Judgment is coming. I'll tell you right now, the verses that I start off with, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, 52, it's, it says, in a twinkling of an eye. That is fast. That's less than a second. In less than a second, people will be caught up or left behind. They're going to be either with the Lord or they're going to be left behind. The judgment will be instant if you're not ready. And what I'm talking about believers... Because this warning is to the children of God and where they were at. And the kings, the king at this point, that was would have been in existence. The beautiful story about Josiah. And listen to the, to the word. He says, I will utterly consume everything from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks along with the wicked. So those that would cause others to stumble, he's going to judge. He's going to consume 
and also those that are wicked. We're talking about the children of God. I will cut off man from the face of the land, says the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah. And we're not talking about a positive thing. This is a negative thing where his hand is coming against Judah. It's not for Judah. And we're, this is the southern kingdom. And against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, I will cut off every trace of Baal, the God, this God of the Phoenicians and the Canaanites, the surrounding nations. They weren't serving God, or if they were serving God, and we'll see something that was going on here, they were serving the God of other nations. So he said, I will cut off every trace of this God from this place. The names of the idolatrous priests with the pagan priests. So here, there's this thing of mixing these priests that were idolatrous that were going after other gods. Mixing it with the pagan priests as well. So there was a mixing of, of this, this priesthood. And he'll, he'll talk a little bit more about that. This, this serving of idols. And he says, I'm going to cut off every trace. It says of the names, not just of the priests, but their name. They would not be, their, their name has come before me, their wickedness. Even their name will be cut off. And it was. So the judgment, this judgment took place. At the time of the, the prophecy, this had not happened yet. And it would happen, this stuff would happen within 50 years. One, basically one generation, this would happen. And one of the reasons that it was held off is because of King Josiah. What a, we'll see what an amazing individual King Josiah was. You might say, well, what kind of person could we possibly be? Now, the works of the flesh are evident. The works of our flesh, we're, we're not talking about unbelievers here, we're talking about believers, as we operate in the flesh, are evident. I went over this just the last few weeks. Here's the work of the flesh. If we go by our own strength, we go by our own faith in ourself, and even if you're a good person, if you have your faith in yourself, this is what could possibly happen. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. All four of those have to do, they're sexual sins. This is for those that are believers if we operate in the flesh. Idolatry, so having other gods or other things that are come before God. Do we have any of those things that come before God? Sorcery, which is pharmakeia, which is witchcraft and also uh, drugs, the usage of drugs. Hatred contentions, and the next number of things have to do with impacting others because there are things that, that are done between uh, two people or groups. 
hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This word is saying there's a judgment that comes if we don't deal with the sin in our life. We need to deal with the sin in our life. The things that we know where there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit or the Word of God is, is revealing this to you. That Here, this is the work of the flesh. This is, if I place my faith in myself to try to be a good person, this is what's going to happen. If I place my faith in myself, I cannot place my faith in myself. And this practice of sin, God in the New Testament is saying there's going to be judgment. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you're practicing these things or things like this. And it all comes as a result of my faith being in, not in God, in Jesus Christ, but my faith being in myself. We've got to deal with these things. And so we have to switch some things around. We'll, we'll talk about that before we close off tonight. Those who worship the host of heaven on the housetops. So he's going to cut off those who worship the host of heaven on the housetop. Back in those days, a flat roof. In fact, you go to, to Israel now, they have a lot of flat roof buildings. And they, they, you can stand on the roof, you can be up there, and they would put uh, altars, and they would worship the host of heaven, the stars, the constellations. And they're worshiping these, these, the hosts of heaven. They're worshiping the sun, the moon, the, the, the things of, of creation. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping these different things. Do we have anything today that is similar to that? Horoscope? Astrology? Where there's a worship of creation, no acknowledgement of God. What would you say? Sorry? Climate change. So we're talking this thing of, of supposed uh, science. Mother nature. So worshiping the, the creation rather than the creator. What about, uh, what about evolution? So those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord. And in, in this, there, there was this this thing of, of, of not just swearing oaths by the Lord, but there was swearing. In the next line it says, but who also swear by Milcom, which is another name for Molech, which was the God where they were sacrificing their children to the God. Is that happening today? Abortion is a sacrifice. So we're, we're, we're talking uh, like... I think there's over 70 million, almost 80 million babies that have died in the United States since 1972, once they, they allowed for abortion to take place. 72 million. And in, in Canada, the, the, the rate is even higher. Not 72 million, but we have, I, I couldn't believe it when I, when I read this, this was about 10 years ago, and I looked up Health Canada, and it gave the stats for abortions in Canada. And I couldn't believe it. You know how many women have abortions? One out of four. 
we're talking one out of four women, when they get pregnant, well, there's an abortion that takes place. So in our 10 years ago, uh, of the 400,000 that got pregnant, there was 100,000 abortions, 100,000 children that died about 15 years ago. So I don't know what the numbers are now, probably higher. So this, is, this stuff is happening today as well when it comes to the worship of other gods of Moloch, the sacrificing of the children. Uh, the, the, there's, the sex trade is, is so uh, prolific now. And so there, there, children are, are being taken as slaves. And so there's this uh, offering to the things of the flesh, the gratifying of the flesh. Those who have turned back from following the Lord, a turning away from the Lord, a backsliding, and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of Him, there's judgment coming. There's no acknowledgement of God. There's no dependence on Him. There's no following Him. It says, be silent in the presence of the Lord God. If we would be still, we would recognize, and as we would look at ourselves, we'd just be still before the Lord, and even to say, hey, Lord, is there anything within me? The, either the Holy Spirit will, will come almost immediately and say, this thing here needs to change in your life. It's not good for you. It's not good for others. And so there's this warning of judgment. I say, thank you, Lord, for your warning. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace that you don't just strike us in the moment. But you give grace and mercy and an opportunity to change the things in our life that should not be. Then it goes on. It says, for the day of the Lord is at hand. In other words, judgment is coming soon. Deal with it. Deal with it. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. And he has invited his guests. You might say, what, is that? what does that mean? In fact, the sacrifice would be people, the number of people that died at the hand of the Babylonians when King Nebuchadnezzar came. There were hundreds of thousands, who knows how many that died. In, in 605 B.C., so this is being spoken at probably around 630 B.C., between 630 and 625. Within 15 years, King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian superpower now, they, they, they eliminate or they get overcome the Assyrians, and now they're the superpower, and they're coming to, to Israel, and the warning has been given. And it was held off because of Josiah. So jo Josiah uh, died before the Babylonians came. So there was about 10,000 that were taken into captivity in 605 B.C. There was another group that went in, five, I think, 597 B.C. And there was another, uh, 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 those that were still in, the, in, the, in Jerusalem. J Jerusalem was a fortified city. Like it was, and even to this day, you can see some of these things, these fortifications it was a fortified city. It was not an easy thing to, to overcome. And in fact, King Nebuchadnezzar and his armies, it took them two years of siege 
before they actually overcame Jerusalem and the people that were left in Jerusalem. Two years of this superpower to try to, to, to overcome the Babylonians. And he's saying, the, the day of the Lord is at hand, for the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. Basically, you're going to be sacrificed. He has invited his guests. Some would say, would say that the beasts and the fowls of the air, these guests are invited to consume and feed on the fallen bodies that were laying dead. There's nothing they could do. Those that, that were dead, they, they stayed there and the rest were taken captive into captivity for 70 years. And here the Lord is warning. And it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children. So those that are living in, in, in royalty will not be spared. In fact, they were the first ones to go in 605 B.C. Within about 20 years of this, this word of warning, the kings and the priests at that time were the first to go. Or the kings and the, the princes and, and those that were Daniel. The book of Daniel, he was in that first uh, uh, removing and taking into captivity was Daniel. He was probably a teenager at that time. And all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. Huh. And all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. What do you think the inference is here? The fact that the children of Israel were wearing foreign apparel. What do, you, what do you think that's sort of inferring? Like there's judgment coming on those that were wearing foreign apparel, clothing. Anybody? Not a robe of righteousness? It's, it's an indication that they were accepting the things of other nations, even to the point of their clothing and their styles. We're going to accept the, the styles of the Egyptians, and the Phoenicians and the, 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 the Canaanites and all the Hittites that, and, and, and ites that, that were around them at that time, we're going to take in their style and whatever. Do we see that today? We, we, we take on the things of this world. Even in the, the way we dress and the way we we. And now or we, we ornament ourselves. We take these things on. So there's an inferring of the things of this world. They were not of God. And there's a punishment that's coming. In the same day, I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, which was a, a, a term of theft. And when it came to the theft, it was not just a leaping over the threshold and going in who filled their master's houses with violence and deceit. So they were going in, and there was violence, and there was deceit in the coming in. We're talking about just breaking and entering, and so there's a looting that's taking place. Do we see that today? I know this is of the world, but this, these were the children of God. And there shall be on that day, says the Lord, the sound of mournful cry from the fish gate, which is one of the gates uh, in the city, around the city of, of Jerusalem, a wailing from the second quarter, and a loud crashing from the hills, for all the merchant people are cut down, 
if all the merchants of our time would be taken out of the picture, it's like, where, where, where would you even go to buy bread? Where would you go to get the things that we just go to the store and we pick up from the merchants? Well, it says here that God will judge even them. And there's a wailing from the second quarter. Allow crash from the hills for all the merchant people are cut down. Wail, you inhabitants, inhabitants of Maktesh, which was a valley around uh, or in Jerusalem that this, this valley is where the, the wealthy lived. And so there's a wailing for all the merchant people are cut down. There's no resources available to get out of the judgment. There's no resources. Sorry. All those who handle money are cut off. So trying to, to uh, uh, buy your way out of, of the judgment... It's not going to happen. And it shall come to pass at that time. So it hasn't happened yet. The Lord is warning very clearly that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who settled in complacency, who said in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. He's not going to do anything. Ah, just talk. Zephaniah, it's just talk. God's not going to do anything. I'll tell you, the Lord is saying this is going to happen and it exactly to those that are complacent sitting on the fence nothing's going to happen therefore their goods shall become booty as in they're going to be all their possessions looted and taken away their houses a desolation destroyed they shall build houses but not inhabit them they shall plant vineyards, but not drink their wine. So the things, they won't have a chance to live. They won't have a chance that all the things that they worked at will be for nothing. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men cry out. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and, and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. It's going to be, judgment is a terrible thing. Mentally and emotionally, a day of darkness and gloominess. Things will look bleak. They will look more than bleak. They will look impossible. A day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities, against the high towers. So you, you will not be able to depend on the protection of the fortified cities and against the high towers overcome. I will bring distress upon men. In other words, there's going to be anxiety. There's going to be an alarm. There's going to be a distress about the men and they shall walk like blind men. What do you think? That, how does that look, walking like blind men? Basically, you're, you're walking aimlessly. There's no there's, there's no way out. And like, what happened? Just what has happened right now? In fact, I saw, I saw some of this uh, in, um, on 9-11. The people that made it out, it was like they were stumbling around like blind men. They're just overwhelmed by the devastation around them. Because they have sinned against the Lord... 
Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse. Because of sin, there's death. There will be no regard for life. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. Their wealth, their money, their riches will not be able to save them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy because they were serving other gods. For he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell in the land. Now, chapter 1, at the time that Zephaniah is saying this, has any of this happened yet? Huh? When it comes to judgment, has, has judgment happened yet? No. Was the sin taking place? Yeah. All the different things of sin were taking place, and the, the Lord is warning. You say, Pastor, this is pretty negative. And it is. However, look at the first three verses of the next chapter. It says, gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nation. You are, you're, you're, it's not like you're very desirable to me, but gather together. Gather yourselves together before the decree is issued. Before I say, now is the time for judgment. Or the day passes like chaff. Before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you. Before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth. We ha who, or who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Zephaniah means Yahweh hides. There is a hiding from the judgment of God as we come and we would humble ourselves before the Lord and seek righteousness, to seek humility, to say, Lord, I recognize these things in my life and I, I want to get them right. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, I want for those things to be taken care of in my life. This year, we're talking about the thing of refinement, to be refined. Refinement takes place in, in the fire where the things that don't belong in our life are gotten rid of, and it comes in the fire. I shared that on Sunday about the silver. Same thing with gold. To get rid of, of, of for gold is, is a much easier process than for silver. For gold, because it's the densest property or, or element on this planet, Anything that's of impurity within gold, if it's gold is melted and there's impurity in the gold, because it's less dense, it's lighter, it goes right to the top and it can be taken off. Refinement is a good thing. Purification is a good thing. Holiness is a good thing. And so I would say that you would come. We'd come before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, 
you may also be glad in exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you if you're reproached because of the name of Christ. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, Jesus is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. In other words, it's one thing to suffer because we're following Christ, but it's another thing that we would not suffer consequence because of these things that are not supposed to be in our lives. That we would, there's a reaping of what we sow. And so that the things that we should not be or do, that we would get rid of them. That we would not suffer as these, thing, as, as these individuals. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. This is Peter writing. This is New Testament. The judgment to begin at the house of God. And I'll tell you right, right now, I believe it's happening. Judgment is coming into the house of the Lord. And so we, we are being warned, let's get things right in our life. Is there anything that's not right? Get rid of it. We need to get rid of it. Don't continue on with these things. God always warns. And listen, it's going to start in the house of God. Before it goes to the unrighteous, it's going to start in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? That we would keep our faith in the right thing. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. We, there may be suffering because we're a follower of Jesus Christ, but that suffering would be because we're doing good. So, how do I repent? Just quickly. There's this thing of that passage that was just read. This aspect of humility before the Lord. I humble myself before the Lord and I confess my sin. It starts, confess your sin. As we confess our sins to the Lord, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's like, okay, well, that's not so hard. I can do that. As I examine myself, as the Holy Spirit may convict or as the word may come, and there's a conviction or there's a direction and say, hey, do this. Well, I'm not doing it. I need to do it. Or don't do this. I need to stop doing it. So the first thing is confession of our sins. The second thing is, uh, to help you along the way, is stop depending on yourself to be good. Listen, I lived a good chunk of my, my Christian life, like three quarters of my Christian life. I lived by trying to be a good Christian. I'll tell you, you cannot do it by yourself. So stop trying to be good in your own effort. To try to be holy in your own effort, you cannot, it cannot be done. And this is, this is the passage I read earlier that talks about the, the, the works of the flesh. When I try to change myself, 
the works of the flesh become evident. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the only way the Spirit of God moves and works is through the finished work of Christ. So, don't make the same mistake that I made for a large part of my life, is attempting to, to be good in my own strength, in my own flesh. It doesn't work. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So the judgment that comes by the law, oh, you broke the law, here's the consequence, is removed because we are living according to the Spirit of God. We're not under the law because our faith is in the right thing. To stop practicing sin, how do we do it? Romans 7, 21 says, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills or desires to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. I want to do the law of God. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? I'm so tired of trying to, to, to be a good person in my own strength. I'm tired. O wretched man, who is going to save us from this body of death? And the answer comes immediately. Paul gives verse 25, Romans 7, 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now listen. So now he expands on that. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, my own effort, what happens is I will serve the law of sin. I will sin. It's with the mind. You say, well, what about the mind? This is all it took for me. When I got this, it was just a new thing that had come into the mind, into my mind. It was knowledge to overcome and it was, well, let me, Paul goes on in, in verse 1 of chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation, there's no judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh. So they're not walking by their effort, but according to the Spirit of God, because they are in Christ Jesus. For the law of sin, of, or, or the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The spirit of life. Where does the spirit flow through? It says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but it is the power of God to those who are being saved. The message of the cross. So I'm grabbing a hold of the message of the cross, which is simple. Jesus Christ dying for me. That's the message of the cross. And that's what you grab a hold of. And, and by faith, I'm grabbing a hold of it. And this is a knowledge that I have daily. Just the knowledge. My faith is not in myself. My faith is in Jesus Christ and what he did for me. It's just, it says by, let me read again the end of chapter 
7. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord in my life, and I'm recognizing him as the one that died for me. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, the things of God, with my mind, by faith. This is where faith is, is coming up within in me. It says, Paul says in uh, Romans 1 verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for salvation. Just the message of the gospel is the power of, of God for us to be saved. And not just for me when I was saved more than 50 years ago, but for today to, for me to, to help me through every moment of every day. Hallelujah. I just say, thank you, Lord. It is just of what I grab a hold of by faith. I, and then the power and the wisdom of God begin to flow by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is looking at what is your faith in? If your faith is not in Jesus Christ and what he did for us, the ultimate act in all of history, Jesus Christ and him crucified for us, if my faith is not there, the Holy Spirit is grieved and cannot work. And that's why Paul says a few verses later, he says, we preach Christ crucified. To the Jew, a stumbling block, and to the Greek, foolishness. To the religious, it's a stumbling block. No, 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 we're going to hang on to our religion. To the, to the Greek, the, the intellectual, no, no, this is foolish, foolishness. The world says, oh, man, this is foolishness. The message of the cross, Jesus Christ preaching the gospel. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, and he goes on, to the Jew and to the Greek. If they grab a hold of the message of the cross, it is the power and the wisdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. I grab a hold of the message of the cross, and the power and the wisdom of God is now made available available to me so that I don't do the things of sin and operate by the flesh. The f and you might say, Pastor, is this, is this something that, that you do every day? Yes. My faith is not, it has stopped being in myself. Have I arrived yet? No. There's still a work being done on me. But I, my faith has stopped being in me trying to be good. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really tell you, my, my, my existence is no more like it used to be. It was like, oh my goodness, I got it. What, what else can I do? I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do that. And all good things. And I'm still finding myself sinning. As hard as I try, now the power and the wisdom of God made available to me because my faith is in Jesus Christ. And so with my mind, I serve the law, the things of God. Just because of what I, I believe in and I hang on to daily. That's why Jesus said, deny yourself, your effort. Take up the cross daily, every day. Remember who I am and what I did for you on the cross. Then following me is easy. Deny self, take up the cross daily, and follow me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we can stop practicing sin, and it is through the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Keep your faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified daily. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? Hallelujah. He is good. He is merciful and gracious. When I, when I read through Zephaniah and then when I started with chapter 1, I'm reading through, I was like, what? This is nasty stuff. Like, how can you make any posi anything positive out of this? And then I, re then I realized it hadn't happened yet. None of it had happened. The Lord was warning. He was giving them a chance to turn around, and they did. During the time of, of Josiah, there was a reformation that took place. Can we stand together? I just want to pray a prayer of, of forgiveness, of asking, of confession of sin and forgiveness tonight. Lord, I just, I thank you for your mercy and grace. Lord, your word says that you don't want the death of a sinner, but that they would come to repentance. That there would be a turning in their lives. You don't want them to die, Lord, because that would mean that they would be apart from you for eternity, and you don't want that. And yet you are a holy God, a righteous God, a just God. And so you cannot, you don't, cannot allow these things to continue that we would be holy as you are holy. We're talking about your children. And so, Lord, I just pray that we as your children would heed the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We would heed the word of God that's, that talks about what is right and what is not right before you. And, Lord, that we would get rid of the things, the sins that so easily beset us, the weights that are on us, that are burning, burning, burdening us down. Those, that, those sins that are, are attached to us, and Lord, we would get rid of them. And I like what it says in that, the following verse, Hebrews 12, verse 2, looking onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for what was ahead of him, the cross, going to the cross, and the, and the shame of the cross, and the, the sin, he went anyways. And so we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that it would be in him and what he did for us. Lord, I pray this for myself, for my brothers and sisters. Lord, if they ever come across a believer that's struggling with their sin, just say, hey, what's your faith in? What is your faith in to overcome? They overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Lord, our testimony is who you are and what you did for us. The Lamb of God slain for us. Lord, I pray that we would be able to encourage others, our brothers and sisters, that we would not come with condemnation, but rather we'd come with appointing to the things of the Lord in gentleness, in a spirit of gentleness, that we would help a person that has fallen, a brother or sister that has fallen, and, Lord, that we would recognize, Lord, you are merciful and gracious. And, Lord, you give time. You would give time for us to repent. But, Lord, that we would not continue to sin or feel like I have a license to sin. But, Lord, that we would do what is right before you. Lord, that we would get rid of the things that don't belong in our life. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, help us at this time. That we could be refined by you, purified by you. That we would be holy your righteousness on us, Jesus. It is only by faith that our righteousness is, is, is imputed or put on us. And, and, and we are robed in that righteousness by faith.
in you and what you did for us on the cross. Let our faith be there daily. Lord, I just pray this in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, in, our, in the holiness, your holiness and righteousness upon us, Lord, that we will do the things you would have us do for your glory. Lord, we would be that glorious church. We would be that son and that daughter of the most high God. And Lord, that you would sing over us. You would rejoice in us and who we are as your children. Lord, I pray this would be the case for us. You would sing over us, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord, as we gather together. Lord, that we would humble ourselves. We would seek humility. We'd seek righteousness that only comes from you. And even as we would confess our sins, Lord, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even the most heinous things, Lord, you can forgive. Lord, even murder. As I stood in that court yesterday, I had an opportunity to talk for a minute or two, just alone with this man convicted of murder. Even as he had confessed his sin, he did not hide anything. And it was just so open and graphic. It was horrific. Lord, you can forgive the worst sinner. And Lord, to be able to speak that God forgives as you have humbled yourself. There's consequences, yes. We can be in right standing with you. Lord, so I just thank you and I praise you for your mercy and grace to us. You're an amazing God that you would warn. What a beautiful thing, Lord, to warn us, to prepare us, to allow us to repent. And Josiah repented and he, and he stayed off the judgment. It was going to come, but he stayed off the judgment for another generation we just thank you for your mercy and grace. You are so good. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.